ELDs, the gift that keeps on giving. Welcome to the HTT Talks Trucking Podcast. This is Episode 5. I'm Jim Park. December the 17th, 2019 came and went, and the earth continued spinning. The sun rose on December the 18th, just as it had on the morning of July the 6th, 2012. That was the day FMCSA first proposed the ELD rule. In my 40 years in this business, I can't recall any new regulation that caused as much hand-wringing and eye-rolling and just plain confusion and uncertainty. When the day of the final, it had to be an ELD deadline finally arrived, our angst did seem to subside a bit, but plenty of issues remain unresolved and plenty of questions remain unanswered. We'll tackle a couple of those in this episode of HDT Talks Trucking. In the second half of the show, we'll be talking with Mike Ahart, the Vice President of Regulatory Affairs at Omnitrax. Mike says there are still a good number of things that fleets have to get their head around, including the diagnostic and malfunction provisions of the rule. But first, a conversation with John Seidel. He's a former commercial vehicle enforcement officer turned transportation consultant. He's now the Vice President of Risk Services at Reliance Partners in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He says fleets still need to keep a very close eye on the performance of the RealD because there's a lot that can still go wrong. And those pesky hours of service violations aren't going to go away anytime soon. I'll kick off my conversation with John right after this. HTT Talks Trucking is sponsored by Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange. HTTX is a unique networking event for fleets and suppliers that opens doors to long and beneficial business relationships. Join us May 6th, 7th, and 8th in Scottsdale, Arizona for HTTX 2020. We're at the Bobbitt Fleet Safety Conference in Las Vegas. It's day two of the conference. Uh, we started things off yesterday with a discussion on ELDs. It was called the ABCs of ELDs. Our guest today, John Seidel, wasn't on the panel, but he was in the audience, and he uh, really contributed to the flow of the discussion there yesterday. So, John, uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast here this afternoon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate being here. So we went over ELDs from one end to the other. It's pretty much old news but there's still lots to be talked about. Uh, you know, we're never, nowhere near the end of the ELD saga. You talk about hours of service violations and ELDs. How can you say that in the same sentence? Wasn't ELD supposed to solve all that? Well, uh, yes and no. Um, but, you know, a very interesting piece that we talk about is what in an ELD is electronic and automatic? Literally, the only thing in an ELD that's different than a paper log is it automatically puts you on the driving line when you accelerate, right? Right. And every Over time you stop, the engine will tell you that you stopped and it'll ask you what duty status you want. Well, then you manually choose off-duty sleeper berth or on-duty not driving. If you don't manually choose it, it'll default you to on-duty not driving. But those three duty statuses can be edited as well. So at the end of the day, the only duty status that is part of the ELD that isn't a manual selection is driving. And then every time you stop your truck, it's going to generate a location. So two things in an ELD are honestly automatic. The driving line mm -hmm. and your city states. Everything else is still a paper log. So if you have an hours of service violation, does that imply there's some fatigue happening? Or are you just administratively doing something wrong? Well, that's always been the opinion of a lot of people. Are the hours of service correct? Now, there's a proposal to have five changes to the hours of service. So if everybody felt they were perfect right now, why are we making changes? 
We're making changes to add more flexibility in the wake of the ELD. Now, they're not going to make changes if they believe those changes are going to cause crashes. So just because you're over hours right now, and then they change the hours of service, um, that doesn't mean that right now being over hours is something that would absolutely cause fatigue. Mm -hmm. But they're contributing factors. We have yep. our rule sets. The ELD is to help us follow those rule sets. And then we're proposing new rules to add flexibility to those rule sets. So right now it's an interesting time at FMCSA as they're putting all that together. Our critics are all quick to point out the number of hours of service violations historically recorded. And most of those are form and manner violations. Uh, but somehow somebody out there draws the conclusion that if you've got a high rate of violations, you've got a high rate of fatigue drivers. If all those violations disappear, does that mean drivers are less tired now than they used to be? Um, not necessarily. Um, there are still violations that are out there that may not be detected at roadside as well as we transition. Okay. Um, an example would be, can you falsify an ELD? And the answer is yes. It's not legal, but it's possible. How do they do it? You get to your maximum hours. Some drivers just log off and drive, right? It's up to the inspector to understand how to recognize that at roadside. I it's see. a little easier with ELDs now that you can transfer a data file and it'll point those out. But when it had AOBRDs, which were grandfathered, you didn't have the data transfer and it was harder to find them. Not impossible, but the season inspectors could find unidentified trips. Another one would be personal conveyance. Personal conveyance is an exception to driving. Yep. You push that personal conveyance button, that duty status is off-duty. But just because you push that button does not mean you did it in a proper situation. There is personal conveyance guidance and it gets abused. Now we need inspectors at roadside to recognize when you can and can't use it and whether the drivers are doing it or not. So we have false logs. Yard move is another one. Mm -hmm. Improperly recording fueling as off-duty when it's really an on-duty status. Getting to a shipper and having a responsibility at the shipper location for counting pieces, making sure there's no damage to freight, that's an on-duty activity, but sure. some people record it as off-duty. So again, that goes back to what I said. What is absolutely accurate about an ELD? Just the driving just line. the driving component. And yeah. just the city states. Other than that, every other entry is a manual entry for the driver, which is no different than a paper log. And back in the days of paper, they were people who worked for fleets whose job it was to pour over paper log sheets and find those indiscretions. Fleets still need to do that with an ELD? They absolutely do. They need to run personal conveyance reports to make sure that they're all being done properly. They need to run yard move reports. They need to run unidentified driving reports. And interesting with the ELD, these unidentified driving reports could just sit there with a slew of indications of possible false. Just because it's an unidentified trip doesn't mean it's false. There are situations where it's legal to have one. Mm -hmm. But now with the ELD mandate, uh, some kind of staffer needs to go into the system and either assign it to who it belongs to or put an annotation as to why you're not assigning it. You can actually get violated during a compliance review for not assigning and or annotating every unidentified trip in December. Wow. And that's a change. Yeah. That's going to include extra staff that is monitoring just that activity. Them same staff need to go to PC and yard move, and they need to take receipts, supporting documents, and verify that off-duty periods and on-duty periods and sleeper birth periods are all being manually selected by the driver at the appropriate times. Can that process be automated or is that still eyeballs only? Well, if you think about it, if you have a fuel receipt, um, you could possibly get a fuel provider to upload the dates and times of the fuel and then cross-reference it against the logs to see whether or not 
that activity is on duty based on the fuel times and it's on a fuel report. Does anybody do that? No. Are there many vendors that would open up their data systems to allow other guys to piggyback out and check that? Like does Omnitrax and um, ComData uh, work together to do automated checks of off-duty statuses when they're fueling? And the answer is no. Before I wound up that interview, I asked John if he still had any concerns about the transition from AOBRD to the full and final ELD rule. Um, I would say this. I'm very intrigued by the data transfer file. There are many companies that have been running grandfathered AOBRDs. That means there is no data transfer for a file. Once they convert to ELDs, now officers at roadside are going to be taking that data file, uploading it into their EROD software, and if it doesn't work... Are they going to turn around and say inappropriate method of logging at roadside because the data file didn't read the EROD's right, which is an indication that at that moment it wasn't operating as an ELD? Mm -hmm. If those start to trigger violations, that may start to trigger some devices that, quite frankly, don't meet the mandate. Now you're going to have carriers that invested in a device, installed them, updated, put them into the ELDs, and they're not ELDs. Because we've got 500 devices, I still think, in the country. Something like that. How many of these self-certified devices, when the rubber hits the road, that data file is not going to be readable to the level needed at roadside to allow them to understand that you have an ELD? And are they going to start writing you for inappropriate logging? And I don't know the answer to that. Another interesting thing that John told us is that not having the correct instruction card in the cab could rack up points to your CSA score. The previous rules for AOBRDs required a single instruction card explaining how to operate the device. If the driver couldn't produce it, that was one CSA point. Under the ELD rules, three different instruction documents are required, although many vendors combine them into one single document. Those three pieces are instructions on how to use the ELD, instructions on how to transfer data to the enforcement officers at roadside, and instructions on what to do in the case of a malfunction. If the driver can't produce that card, it's a one point for each of the three missing pieces, or three points just for not having your instruction card. And that's a paper card or just on board? I mean, somebody said yesterday in the session that if it's on the device and the device isn't working, Mm -hmm. you don't have an instruction card. Yeah, I think I mentioned that yesterday. So you're allowed to have an electronic version of these three components under the ELD. And as long as your driver can pull those up on the device to show them how to use the device. Well, if the instruction card and instructions on how to transfer a data file and instructions on how to handle a malfunction are embedded in the device that you don't know how to access, well, then you don't have the card. So (laughs) the thing I said yesterday is if the device malfunctions and the screen goes black, and now you're supposed to follow the instructions of what to happen when the screen goes black, and the instructions are on the screen? That's black. Well, then why did FMCSA say an electronic version's okay? Because if you have a malfunction and you need the instructions, you're not going to have them. So really, you need paper. So I would always have the paper back up somewhere, right? Okay. Um, if you want to use electronic just because it's easier to find, you don't have to dig through your binder, fine. But I would not rely on an electronic version. I've been speaking with John Seidel. He's the Vice President of Risk Services at Reliance Partners in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We recorded that conversation and the one you're about to hear with Mike Ahart during the Bobbitt Fleet Safety Conference in Las Vegas last November. That was about six weeks before the final ELD rule kicked in. When we come back, Michael tell us what he thinks fleets still need to keep an eye on, even with the transition from AOBRD to ELD supposedly complete. This is HDT Talks Trucking. I'm Jim Park. Thank you.
Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange is put on by Heavy Duty Trucking Magazine and our host sponsors. Our editors tapped into decades of experience with trucking fleets to develop this truly worthwhile event. If you qualify, we'll bring you and a few dozen other fleet managers to a Scottsdale, Arizona resort for a jam-packed session of networking, education, and fun. It all happens in a friendly, intimate environment where you can develop lasting relationships and pick up ideas that can make your business more successful. Go to heavydutytruckingexchange.com to learn more and to apply for your spot at HDTX 2020. Welcome back to HDT Talks Trucking. I'm Jim Park. And now my conversation with Mike Ahart. I began by asking him what sort of challenges fleets will face even though the rule is now in full force. One of the things that we could talk about for, for some time would be um, diagnostics and malfunctions on okay. the, on the uh, ELDs. And while um, this is a whole other subject, while we could, again, we could have another um, discussion for 15 minutes on this alone. So, but what I would say, just you know, in lieu of having a whole dialogue around it, is that manufacturers of ELDs have become acutely aware of the, of the um, issue with malfunctions and diagnostics simply because of the number of people who have transitioned to ELD in the last four or five months. And this is one of the challenges that sometimes you don't know what you don't know until you have to see the consequences of bringing on a lot of customers. And as all of these folks have transitioned from AOBRD to ELD, uh, the providers of ELDs are starting to see the true impact of malfunctions and diagnostics um, that are required to, uh, to be monitored while the ELD is being used. Are the malfunctions common? So again, you know, common is a, is a challenging word because it's a subjective term because you might have 1,500 vehicles in your fleet and over a two week period, you might have 1,500 malfunctions. That is a lot of malfunctions. Yeah. However, it's less than one, one, per, one vehicle. per vehicle over a two week period. So again, and, and a lot of these diagnostics, they happen and they'll clear. You'll have malfunctions that will actually happen and they'll clear. There's no requirement to really go to a paper log just because you have a malfunction. And this is where if, if, a, if a motor carrier or driver is experiencing issues with their device going into a malfunction, they need to make sure they're having good conversations with their ELD provider to help understand it. And what I would recommend also is understanding that the FMCSA has issued an FAQ around malfunctions. And just because your device goes into a malfunction does not necessarily mean you have to go to a paper log. They're saying as long as the malfunction does not impede the accurate recording of your record of duty status, okay. you don't have to go to a paper log. Because in the end, the purpose of the ELD is to accurately record your record of duty status. There are other things built in there to help, you know, identify tamper resistance and, and, but in the end, its purpose is to accurately record record of duty status. So the, the thing is, is that when you're doing your record of duty status, one of the important requirements is it's not just your hours of service, but it's also the fact that you have to have a location at each change of duty status. 
So when you're if your device is in malfunction and you're reviewing your record of duty status, make sure that GPS location may not be one of the reasons why you're um, getting a malfunction. And if it is, make sure you're still recording a location at each change of duty status. How would the driver or someone know that, yes, we do need to go to paper or no, you're okay, carry on? What? Right. So, so again, you know, the, the, there is an education behind it and it's not an easy process. And um, so the device is required to notify the driver when a malfunction is occurring and or has occurred. Mm -hmm. And at that point, the driver is provided with an ELD card that indicates how to handle malfunctions within the device. And essentially the requirement is that um, they, the ELD has to notify them and the driver must notify the motor carrier within 24 hours that the device has received a malfunction and that the driver must know how to properly um, handle the malfunction. And like I said, in the event that the device is um, indicating that you have a malfunction, some, again, every provider has programmed their device a little bit differently. There's, been, there's no clear technical standard that says you must do step A, B, and C, right? I mean, it doesn't say that. Exactly, so some, so some manufacturers may um, put out a notice that says your device is in malfunction. Um, you need to pull over at the next safe location and review your logs to make sure that it's not um, impeded uh, for accuracy. So again, uh, or if it is, maybe there is some uh, specific reason why the ELD knows that it can't record a um, accurate log. And at that point, it may lock the driver out and indicate that you must you know, recreate your um, log for the day. But that doesn't mean that the driver still has to have seven days of previous days with them. And if your ELD is locked up, you know, how are you gonna get your logs? You better, that's part of this training process. How is a driver going to get their logs in the event that their system locked up? They, they may have a handheld device that you know, the ELD provider provides a website that they can get their logs. They may have to have um, the motor carrier fax them to them you know, or, or scan them and email them. But again, you know, there's a lot of challenges associated with this. And you know, again, I would recommend or un make sure everybody understands that the minute you print your logs, you have to put a physical signature on them as certification. Even if they get scanned back in, even if they get faxed, there is a requirement that as soon as you print a log, you're gonna have to put a signature on it. Okay, good to know. Yep. Where do you think we'll be in a year from now? How, <laughs> will we still be asking these same questions? Well, you would hope not. And, and in fact, you know, I think that a year ago, there were people asking that same question is, you know, do you think, in fact, I, I know a lot of, um, even internally at OmniTracks, you know, people thought we would be moved on um, at this point, but here we are, and, mm -hmm. and we're still um, challenged with getting customers transition. Um, in a year from now, um, I believe that we will be talking more and more about the Canadian ELD yep. um, and not the U.S. ELD. I think it'll be beyond it. I, I believe we'll still be helping customers with data queues. Um, we will still be having discussions with FMCSA. Um, we will still be um, 
uh, working to try to uh, make sure CVSA is working with enforcement on education, FMCSA is working with enforcement on education, um, but it's going to be a, it's going to be a cycle that's going to continue. And and um, but we can't, you know, it's not going to go away. So we can't uh, hope, we can't wish it away. Uh, we got to go full force in it, and um, we've got to cooperate together um, throughout the agencies, and and um, and we got to keep moving forward. You know, we do have the um, the NPRM out there on flexible hours of service, which again, I, I would tell everybody has nothing to do with ELDs. I mean, an ELD will measure the accuracy of of the uh, record of duty status, but the, the only requirement that we've asked for is that the FMCSA make sure between the time of the final rule and the requirement for it to go into um, effect is there's sufficient time for ELD providers to program, You'll have to do some the, the ELDs yeah. for um, different rule set requirements and that kind of stuff. HTT Talks Trucking was brought to you by Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange an intimate fleet networking event that takes place May 6th, 7th, and 8th in Scottsdale, Arizona. Go to heavydutytruckingexchange.com to hear what past attendees took home from the event and to apply to be our guest at HTTX 2020. HTT Talks Trucking is produced by Deb Lockridge, recording and audio production by Jim Park. Heavy Duty Trucking Magazine, the Fleet Business Authority, is published by Bobbitt Business Media. Leave a web browser window open to truckinginfo.com for up-to-the-minute industry news as well as feature articles, videos, photo galleries, white papers, and our ever-popular editor blogs. You can leave questions or comments on the HDT Talks Trucking homepage. That's truckinginfo.com slash podcasts. Please rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts. It helps other listeners find us. Thanks to my guests, John Seidel and Mike Ahart, and to our sponsor, Heavy Duty Trucking Exchange. I'm Jim Park. Thanks for listening.